Friends, let us turn to God's word first of all in the Old Testament, the Psalm 146. The 146th Psalm. This is God's holy word. Let us hear his word together. The Lord give us ears to hear and hearts to receive his word this night. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and a widow. But the way of the wicked, he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Let us turn now to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Luke and the fourth chapter. And sing our reading in the verse 1. This is the word of God. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In forty days, tempted of the devil, in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into an high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, him only. Shalt thou serve? He brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of a temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time Thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. When the devil had ended all temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. He taught in their synagogues, 
being glorified of all. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book. He gave it again to the minister and sat down. The eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bare him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, the city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow, Many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisus the prophet. None of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him unto a brow, the brow of the hill, whereon the city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. Amen. And the public reading of God's precious word there. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to our needful souls and to the glory of his name. Let us pray, let us draw near. But dear friends, I ask you to please turn your prayerful attention there to the Psalm 146 and the verses 7 to the verse 9. And to take from my text these words in the Psalm 146 the verse 7 to the verse 9, but we also will be going back there to the Gospel of Luke and thinking about some of the things there that we read in the second reading in the New Testament. And uh, we think here, we want to think this evening of at least five marvelous things that the Lord does in salvation. As we think of the wonderful Gospel, as the Lord said there, that he, by the Spirit of God, was anointed to preach the gospel. And it's said in Isaiah, good tidings, it's the same word. But there in Luke, in the Greek, the gospel, good tidings to the poor. What does God do in salvation? Are we lost tonight? Are we saved or are we unsaved? But what does God do in salvation? I want to speak about the tremendous work of Almighty God 
what he does in salvation. And really we see these things in the verses that we read. Psalm 146. Here notice verse 7 through to the verse 9. Concerning God, I read from verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Now notice, which made heaven and earth. So first of all, the very God that made heaven and earth. This is the God we are speaking about. There are not many gods. There is one God. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and sent light into this world. God made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever. Now notice, at least five marvelous, tremendous things that God does, which executeth judgment for the oppressed which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and a widow and widow. The way of the wicked he turneth upside down. So we want to think of these marvelous things that the Lord does. And you notice at least five times in these verses we have the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And the word here in the Hebrew is actually Yahweh, which is a tetragrammaton. And of course we have the Germanized form, Jehovah, the self-existent God. That is what is meant. God who needs nothing, who is the source of all power and energy, who is uncreated light. God, verse 6, who made heaven and earth. God who has supreme and unimaginable power. We read, don't we, in the book of Genesis there, the first verse of the book of Genesis. Notice with me what we read there. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He spoke everything out of nothing. There was nothing but God. And he made all things by the power of his word. He formed the earth, the sky, and the seas. Not just this world, but the entire cosmos. But how wonderful it is when he does a new work. In a song. It is a new life, really. The person is brought to life. The person is somebody that was dead. And their eyes are open, as we'll see. He sets them free. They were once captives to Satan and to this world. They were spiritual prisoners. We come into this world because of the fall. As spiritual prisoners to Satan and to self and the world. And the Lord does tremendous things. Verse 7, the Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth 
the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. The way of the wicked he turneth upside down. Again, this is Jehovah, the self-existent God that needs no help in this. God needs no help. Salvation is entirely of God. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need my help. I contributed absolutely zero to my salvation. Nothing in my hands I brought. God simply spoke to me by his word and said, Look unto me, for I am the Lord, and there is none other. Look unto me, and be ye saved. He gives the power to look. He gives the heart to look. He gives the desire to look. By nature, we have no desire to look. By nature, we're prisoners. Imagine prisoners, and they imagine they imagine you're in a, a cage, as it were, and you can't see out of that cage. You can't see beyond it. You can't see beyond the room. And if you were to walk in and tell people that were born in that room that there is a great world out there, you would say you're blind. There's nothing out there. All I can see are these four walls. Well, you see, by nature we're blind. Refuse to believe that there is a God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's a willful unbelief. Men are born in not only abject hatred to God, but in willful unbelief. But they know deep down in the conscience there is a God. Let me say, the fool has said, not in his head, but the scriptures say, in his heart. It's a heart problem. The head knows it. The eyes look at the flowers. The eyes look at the leaves and the trees and the birds and everything out there. And the heavens declare the glory of God. The heart, as it were, is in the prison. And the heart wants to put the head in the prison. And Satan, we are told, has blinded the mind them that believe not. You see, in this dark world that we live in, you consider for a moment, we are living, listen to the silence, in a dark world. John says, the whole world lieth in darkness. Isn't that true? Darkness all around. I mean a spiritual darkness. It's as if man in his darkness, in his depraved mind, does not want to see beyond. He looks at all that God has created. The heavens and the earth declare the glory of God. Day unto night there is speech, there is knowledge. There have never been more programs today on the television about creation than ever before, but yet there's never been so much unbelief. Can you credit it? Scientists are able to look under things, under the microscope, but they've never been able to see. And my, they can look into a cell, and they can see that that cell has its own cleaning system. The body, scientists are continued to be amazed 
the sheer intelligent design, but yet they won't admit it. The wonder of creation. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And yet what a prison man is in. In fact, we are told in the Psalms, if you turn with me for a moment, there at the close in the Psalms, it speaks of the fowler's snare. Psalm 91, verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Satan is pictured as a fowler. You know what a fowler does? He catches birds. And he puts the bird in a cage. And he has the decoys, doesn't he? You see that puts decoys in the cage. They look like birds and the birds fly in there. And here the Lord says, God will rescue. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. The world is full of noise. The voices. People telling you one thing or another. Satan is pictured as a fowler. And we as birds of the air. And he has us in a trap, in a cage. And then he takes, doesn't he? People to hell. Well, look at what Satan said as we read there. Who is Satan? He's actually an angel. A fallen angel. And he said to the Lord, you come and worship me. You bow down. And you worship me, and I will give you the world. Well, of course, he has power, doesn't he? He has a certain power. The kingdoms of this world, he has blinded the minds of people. And he was saying to our Lord, who was tempted there after his fasting 40 days and 40 nights, you bow down and worship me, and I will give you everything. Really, this is what Satan is saying to sinners. You don't worship God. You live for yourself. You seek pleasures in this life and I will satisfy you. For sin or Satan never satisfies, does he? Everybody is in the fowler's net by birth. We're born in sin and we're born with this trapped mind. But notice, as we come to the marvelous things that God does in salvation for his people. This is tremendous. You know, Christ is stronger than the strong man, isn't he? We know that when the Jews were accusing him of doing things, casting out devils, they said, you're doing it by the power of Beelzebub. He said, how can a house divided against itself stand. If I do the things that I do by the power of Beelzebub, how can Beelzebub in effect stand? He can't. But he said, if I, by the finger of God, cast out devils, surely the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. Now, my friends, we want to preach the kingdom of Christ because Christ is the king of that kingdom and he sets prisoners free. Notice the Lord looseth the prisoners. Who does this? The self-existent God. 
It was Christ in the beginning in Genesis. He made, we're told by Paul in Colossians, he made the heavens and the earth, all things were made by him, John says, and for him. And Paul says in Colossians, these things consist and exist because of Christ. They continue to consist and he keeps everything. All the planets in their orbit. Do you not think he can bring a sinner out of abject darkness and into his marvelous light? But God can do anything. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 1, he says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and in whom the God of this world, notice, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them, And then he says this, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Now notice what he says there, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, shined in our hearts. Think of it. Before there was any world, cosmos, Suns, moons, God caused there a universe to be. And there was nothing but darkness. And then he shone and he created light. And then he said this, has the same God has commanded the light. God commands light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then he says, but we want you to know this. We have this treasure. It's the treasure of the truth of the gospel in earthen vessels. That's all we are. We are vessels of mercy. That the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. Paul says we take no credit for any man that is brought out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. We have the treasure, we have the truth, but it's God that shines in the heart of a man to give him the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God, who created light, shines light, truth, as he brings a man to a new birth and shows him Christ. It's all of God, isn't it? Now, first of all, you notice in our text this evening, here, as we come to these tremendous truths concerning the Lord, what do we see? He who has made heaven and earth, who executes judgment, the Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. It's the first thing he does. You were once in darkness. Maybe there was a time you never thought. But beyond this life, 
That's really what the world is saying. That's all there is. You eat, you live, you die, and you go to the grave. But you know that you are made in the image of God and something deep inside is telling you that I'm more than a mere creature, more than a mere bovine beast eating in the field there across the road. I am made in the image of God with a capacity to know and to reason. And I know my sin troubles me. And the fact you see that sin troubles you And you feel uneasy about sin. And when the preacher begins to talk about sin, you're stirred. And what does he do? He loosens the prisoners. First of all, I want you to notice that the Lord, which executeth judgment, verse 7, for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry, The Lord looseth the prisoners. Now here we are not talking about actual people in the prison. Because this would be rather strange, wouldn't it? If I went to Bovington Prison tonight and said, well, the Lord loosens the prisoners. Let all the murderers out or the molesters or whatever. That would be unjust, wouldn't it? We are talking here about spiritual prisoners. We are not talking about people that have committed crimes, of course, all have sinned, but we are talking about those who were in bondage. Now, the Jews never thought they were in bondage. They said, we have never been slaves, we have never been um, in any oppression. John chapter 8, well, they forgot they were in Egypt for so long. They were prisoners, in fact, they were slaves there. But the Lord turns it around and says, He who sins is a slave to sin. Don't you know? This is not how we were made. We were not made to sin. God did not make us to sin. He made us to glorify him. He made Adam. Adam to work. And Adam loved his work. He loved to rise up early in the morning. And to glorify his God. You can imagine as he rose up every morning, the sun came out in all of its beautiful rays. And there were no rainstorms then. There were no monsoons. There was a mist that covered the earth. And it was beautiful. It was blissful. There was no death in that garden. There was no decay. And whatever he planted, good would come forth. He was not laboring by the sweat of his brow. But as he labored, he labored for the glory of God. And he enjoyed God. He walked with God and he talked with God. God gave him a perfect wife. God warned him, Adam, you can eat of all the trees of the garden, but one tree you cannot take. What made Adam sin, we don't know. We do know what made Eve sin. Satan tempted her. Said, well, you'll be as God if you eat this. Pride. See, it wasn't enough. She was filled with pride. Satan said, well, God is keeping you. You will be as God. God just doesn't want you to be equal 
God doesn't want you to be on the par with him. God wants you to be less. She took. And when we read they took, their eyes were open and they were ashamed. Ashamed of themselves, ashamed of sin. And God came looking, didn't he? Adam, where art thou? Calling for him. And then the lies and the excuses and the blaming, one to another came, one from another. And Adam was cursed. The ground was cursed. Satan was cursed. Satan's still not happy. Determined to take more to hell with him. We read, don't we, from Isaiah 11, how Satan, an angel of light, said, I shall be as the Most High, determined still now, although he knows his time is little and short. He's angry. And he has blinded people in this world. In fact, he blinded our first parents and all children, we could say, that come from our first parents are spiritually blind, spiritually dead to the things of God in open denial. But what does the Lord do? He looseneth prisoners. What does he do? He gives you a new mind. Because you have a new heart, you see. It's now the person serves God With the mind, that's what Paul says in Romans 7 verse 24. So with the mind I serve God. My mind has been opened. It's no longer the sinful heart that is in control, but a changed mind, you see. You're spiritually awakened to the truth. He looseneth the prisoners. Think of the fowler's snare. You can read also in that psalm, in another psalm, the Lord is pictured as a great eagle that comes swooping down. Takes her little ones and covers with the feathers. That's who the Lord is, with his mighty wings. He opens the eye to see that we were under danger. The present danger of this world and everything else is clamoring for our attention. But friends, we sang this morning, didn't we, from the Psalm 90. My friend, if your your days be three score, that's a lot to live. Many people these days aren't living three score or 60 years, 70 years. I think the average age now of the male is somewhere around 74 years old. But young men, you may not live to 24, let alone 74. Who knows what a day brings forth? He looseneth the prisoners. Are you a prisoner to this world? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Have you been freed from the power of sin? What does he free you from? He frees you from a worldly mind. He frees you from this world. He frees you from the love of this world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do you love the world? Are you thinking about something else right now? 
while I'm preaching this sermon? Is your heart out there? You're in here? Where is your heart? Is your heart upon the love of Jesus Christ? Can you once say, I was once in darkness, I was once in chains of my mind, but God broke into my life and shed light. I was in darkness and my chains broke and I came forth, as Mr. Wesley says. Prison door was open. I came forth. He set me free. You see, it's spiritual darkness. It's spiritual chains, isn't it? The Lord looseth the prisoners. This is amazing. It says there prior to that, which executeth judgment. Notice verse 7, that really means who executes deliverance. That's what the word can mean. You know, I've said it many times. The word judgment can be deliverance. You have in the book of Judges, every time the people sinned, God raised up who? A judge or a savior. He executes salvation for the oppressed. You see, those who feel oppressed and you're suddenly awakened to this world that it's, it's closing in on you. And I was talking to a man this week and he was saying to me, he said, you know, it's winter. It's cold out there. And I know this man very well. He enjoys his working in the summer. He's quite an elderly man. And he's quite an active man. But he said, you know, the winter. He says, I have time to think. And he says, Pastor, all I've been thinking about is death these last few days. Time has made me think about death. I'm praying that this man, God might be doing a work, a merciful work in his heart. He feels troubled. Death is approaching him. Darkness is before his mind. I don't know. Who knows? what the Lord will do. But he is very conscious and aware that several conversations with him. It's not somebody we know here, so don't worry about that. I wouldn't speak about somebody here, but do pray for him. There are people, friends. We know not the way of the Spirit, how God works. But what does God do? He comes and he brings deliverance for the oppressed. When a man begins to feel oppression, this world is closing in. Death is caving in on me. Where am I going? It could well be that a person is then awakened by the Spirit of God. And even brought to God in the final hours. We know not how God works. But God does it. He brings in deliverance. And he giveth food for the hungry. And here we're speaking about spiritual food. Yes, he does provide for his saints. David said, I've been young, I've been old, but I've not seen the righteous begging bread. But it's true. Is it not true that he giveth food to the hungry? What did the Lord Jesus say in Matthew 5? He said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Oh, I want something more. This world is empty. I've drunk from all the systems of this world and I've never been satisfied. There are people I know that have had much. They've had properties and 
classic cars and all kinds of things. They've never been satisfied and satiated in the heart. But when they come to God, it's like they have everything. There is Satan, isn't he there? And he's, as we saw in Luke 4, he shows our Lord the kingdoms of the world in a moment, it says. And he says, I will give this all to thee. I mean, who does he think he is? Christ made everything. And Christ can implode this entire world in an instant and make another in the next second if he will. But he didn't come to have a kingdom, did he? He came to redeem his people, to give them an everlasting kingdom. Isn't that love? Isn't that true love? He who left the courts of heaven and the Father's smile came to this sinful world to suffer, to die, and to take the punishment of all of his people, to set them free. But you see, he can't set free until he sets them free from the penalty of the law. And that's what he had to come to do. He doesn't just set you free to give you a new heart, but he had to pay the price for all you. He would redeem. What does the scripture say? The wages of sin is what? Death! The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If a man have not Christ, he has his sin. If he believe in not Christ, he has to answer for all of his sin. The man that believes in Christ must believe that Christ died for every sin. Of his, because Christ is God, and God knows all that we would ever commit in our lives. And as Peter said, he would bear in his own body our sin. Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, verse 11, My righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And he bore them on the cross. There was a day of wrath, there was a day of judgment. And that is how he can set the prisoners free. My, when he was raised that day of the resurrection, we are told that many of the saints walked out of the grave. Setting free means also one day we shall be freed. Our bodies loosed from the grave. Thanks be to God. Because he lives, we too shall live. So here, he sets the prisoner free. The Lord looseneth the prisoner. And uh, there's a lot more we can say, even regarding this verse. In uh, Psalm 91, we read there, He shall surely deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the pestilence, noisome pestilence. Well, that is what Christ does. In Psalm 69, verse 4, he says, Christ, I restored that which I took not away. Thine they were, Father. Thou hast given them unto me, and I shall lose none of them. He restores back those who were lost. It's an amazing psalm that the Lord opened the cage door, and he restores the people to God. 
Secondly, he is the Lord, the illuminator, who gives light. We're told here, he openeth up the eyes of the blind. Well, we've thought about that a little bit, haven't we? But you see, as we begin to see these things, and as we begin to take them in, our eyes, are they not open? And as Christians, let me say, our eyes continue to be opened. This is the marvelous thing, you know, when you become a Christian. By the grace of God, you begin to see new things. It's an ongoing, it's not as if, well, the truth is ever changing. The truth is the same, but there are many things when we come to the word of God, we just haven't seen before. Well, the Lord looseneth the prisoners, the Lord openeth up the eyes of the blind. See, we were spiritually blind. Do you remember the Jews when the Lord Jesus healed the blind man? He said, we see. He said, because you say we see. He said, you're still in your sin. And what were they doing? It's interesting. John 9, he forbids the man to go into the temple. And then you come to John 10. He says, I'm the door. He's the door. You don't get in to the sheepfold by him. He's the real temple, isn't he? He has a real gathering. You see, it's not about synagogue. It's not about the temple. It's not about a place. It's about a relationship. That blind man had a relationship with God. And there are many people that play at a church, don't they? They play at aesthetics or look at the place. But they're not interested in the God of the place. He opens up the eyes of the blind. So that when we come into the house of God, we're not looking for things, for aesthetics, for things to worship, but we're looking for the unseen God. And Peter says, we love him, but we have not seen. I don't need to see him to love him. Do you? You see, because that's faith, isn't it? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. And where you have not faith, let me say, you're looking for tangible things. The reality is God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And you know this because your own spirit has been changed. Your heart has been changed. Your heart has been lifted up. Your mind has been illuminated. You're set free. The world wants to see things and stuff. But the unseen God is too glorious. This is why we have no representations of God. Because he has forbade it. Because he is glorious. We love him. But God was manifest in the flesh. And he came into this world, my friends. And he would not bow to the devil 
the fallen angel, he would not bow to any, but others could bow down to him. And rightly so. When Thomas saw him after his resurrection, he said, Come, Thomas, touch, feel, put thy hand in my side. And he said, My Lord, my God. Trouble is, you see, even doubting Thomas, his faith was something, wasn't it? Had he had been there on the Lord's day previous, he'd have seen the Lord. Lack of obedience sometimes is a proof of a poor faith, isn't it? Fanny Crosby, you know, a great woman of faith, wrote many hymns, didn't she? She wrote more than 9,000 hymns despite her blindness. Imagine that. Never saw a thing. And one person remarked, she said, they said to her, I think it's a great pity that the Master didn't give you sight when he showed and showered you with so many other blessings. He said that to her. You know what she responded? She responded at once and she said, you know, that if at birth... I'd been able to make one petition. It would have been that I was born blind. You see, because she wouldn't have it another way. What God does is perfect. We don't need to see to believe because God opens up the eyes of the blind. Has he done that for you, friend? Are you still in spiritual darkness? She said, when I get to heaven, she said, I say this because the first face I will see will be Christ's. And that's all I want, is Christ. Is that your desire? It ought to be. If he saved your wretched soul, the Lord openeth up the eyes of the blind. He said, the Lord Jesus in John seventeen twenty four, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Christ's prayer is that we should see his glory. And we can imagine Fanny Crosby now perhaps seeing the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And one day we will see him too. If we're his, if our eyes have been opened, but also notice something else the Lord does, the Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. Thirdly, we have the Lord, the comforter. When the Lord saves you, he brings comfort, doesn't he? Those who are bowed down. You have no understanding or meaning of life. It was all a maze. You read the book of Ecclesiastes, you see you have to almost feel sorry for Solomon as he pursued a path in life trying to find knowledge and meaning and understanding. And he went through a long pursuit of trying to find happiness, myrrh, all kinds of things. These things could not satisfy, but Christ satisfied. You know, riches can bow you down. 
Health can even bow you down. If you're enjoying your health simply for your own pleasure, it'll bow you down. I can't take my health with me. I can't take my wealth. I can't take my looks with me. You have to drown with nothing. But if we have God, he will lift up the head, will he not? Because beyond this world is a never-ending world. Where there will be no more weeping and crying, no more sorrowing. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. Are you bowed down? Many sadly are, but they do not deny it. But they deny it, should I say. They have no peace. Isaiah tells us, there is no rest for the wicked. There is the troubled sea, which have no rest. But those who are bowed down, he lifts up. Fourthly, he is God, the gracious bestower. Notice, the Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord loves the righteous. Well, they're not righteous in themselves. But he gives them a righteousness in his Son. He clothes them with the robes of his son's righteousness. And yes, there is now, in response to his love, there's a desire now for righteousness in their hearts. And the Lord loves them. It's both an imputed righteousness, which we could say, and an imparted righteousness in the believer. He loveth the Lord, and it's here in the present active continuous. Notice, the Lord loveth the righteous. He continues to love them. He says, he loves them that love him. Who are the righteous? They that love God. They're not perfectly righteous in themselves. They know it. They feel it. In fact, they feel themselves to be wretches. But as they love him, there is a righteousness worked out in their lives. The Lord loveth the righteous. And again, we must never forget, if we're saved, it's because of the righteousness which God gives to us as the free gift, the gift that is by his Son. And we're told no good thing will the Lord withhold from them that walk uprightly. Why do we walk uprightly if we're saved? Well, because the Lord's opened up our eyes, hasn't he? He's loosed the prison door. He's given us sight. Now our eyes are opened up to serve him. The Lord loveth the righteous. But notice, fifthly, the Lord is the preserver. The Lord is the preserver. Notice, the Lord preserveth the strangers. That's how God's people are described. They're strangers to this world. The Lord preserveth the strangers. Strangers aren't usually preserved, are they? Because they're so oppressed. And this world will oppress God's people who are called pilgrims and strangers. We're sojourners. That means we're going somewhere else. Where? It'll be a new heavens and a new earth. Peter says this present world will melt with a fervent heat. 
In the last days, we are told, there will come scoffers. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? Peter says, he has to remind us, yes, but they forget. The world of old was destroyed. As many mocked and laughed at Noah preaching for all those years. And then suddenly, 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 the fountains of the deep were opened up and the heavens were opened. And God shut Noah in with the ark. What did the Lord do? He preserved him. To where a new And then we have, don't we? We have the raven on the sea just before the waters abated. And the raven never came back to the ark, did it? But it rested upon carrion. It was probably feeding off dead bodies floating upon the crests of the waves. But the dove came. And brought a sign of life. And Noah knew that it was open. My friends, let me put it to you this way. Christ came back from the dead. Did he not? And his rising from the dead tells me that there is a life beyond this life. And he will preserve me through this life into the life to come. The Lord preserveth the strangers. You see, if you're saved, you feel now yourself to be strange to this world. The world is strange, isn't it? It's not your home. God is saying this is not your resting place. But where do you rest? You rest in Christ, in the promises of God. And he said, because I live, you will live also. He says in the book of the Revelation, Behold, I am he that was dead, and I'm alive, and I'm alive forevermore. He's coming again. Until then, he will preserve everyone. And he quickens and he saves. He will comfort you in life. Have your eyes been opened to this dead, dark world? My friend is headed for doom and destruction. And all those outside of Christ shall be destroyed in the lake of fire. It's a solemn word. But all those that are in Christ, believe me. Your eyes have been opened. You're not in open denial anymore. You come and you confess Christ in all that he is for the sinner. We say, Lord, I'm thine. I want to live thee. I love thee. I can't see thee, but I love thee, Lord. My heart goes out to thee tonight. I love thee, Lord. I don't need any more than the promises thou hast given. Thou wilt preserve Indeed, the strangers of this earth. That's who God's people are. May God, by the grace of his Spirit,
make you a stranger to this world and take you to the next for his glory. Amen.